Welcome back to the listening party with Adam and Mike. And grab yourself a drink and just to let you know, we still remain men of no consequence. And uh, oh yeah, hello Ben, if this is your first time at a party, just a, a quick summary, but basically each time Adam, myself or an invited guest uh, picks an album that we'd like to just put on at the discotheque and sit and discuss for an indeterminate amount of time. And we'll be here all bloody, we'll be here as long as it needs to be. Yeah, I mean, it could be something that one of us is unfamiliar with. It could be something we both like. It could be something that we're both curious about. Or it could be something that we both quite strongly take against, as was the case in G.G. Allen. Uh, uh, if, it, if it is mooted within the realm, these four walls of the party, we will give it a bloody lesson. We will discuss it. <laughs> yeah. Squeezing every ounce of enjoyment out of it. Yeah, and you can listen or not. But if you do listen, and I'm just going to say this at the head, why not pop a little review on there? Three or above. Three or above. If you, if it's not going to be three or above, don't bother. Stay you away. You don't have to do the uh, what we call the breaking glass for David Bowie catalogue protocol, which is go on iTunes. Go, yeah! No, sorry, actually. These were, oh, these bloody two don't know. So I imagine that's more of a tone of critic we have there. In fairness, we also got some quite a few well wishes as well. The problem is they were less public with their They are. They didn't want to put their head above the parapet. They sent they yeah, sent their, their why kind, should they? God love them, but they sent all their kind words to you direct. Unless of course there were no kind words if it was all a sure heart. <laughs> it was all you weren't feeling well that week and I thought you needed to pick me up. Oh, look, some guy I've never heard of in Canada said that we were both passably amusing. Good. <laughs> oh, such anxiety. Why do we do this? I mean, you mean, why do we bother recording it? Why don't we just have this conversation privately? Yeah, I mean, I could yeah. cut this out, but I'll probably leave it in. I mean, I considered that, and I, I think that if it weren't for the sort of motivating factor of sitting down to do a record... I wouldn't bloody listen to a mic. I wouldn't bloody listen. So we have to, have to, have a small, possibly fictional digital audience in an attempt to broaden my horizons, and I'm glad we do it. If anybody listens, it's a bonus. But as ever, it remains a, a privilege and an honour to uh, be your listening party boon companion. So what are we listening to this week, Mike? We are listening to... Something from the past, but when I say the past, just slightly more of the past. Than... You don't mean the real past, though, do you? The real not, good past. You not, mean like basically yesterday? Basic, more of the past than Bieber Doobie was last party. Once we met, uh, this this one was released a, a year before that. So twenty eighteen was it? Twenty nineteen. So we're talking twenty nineteens. Lost Girls by Bat for Lashes. Uh, this is one of those albums that as soon as we came up with this little enterprise, this was very high up my list of albums I wanted to talk about. I was going to ask you how long have you been digging this, but uh, presumably since about 2018. 
Yes. <laughs> you know, even even in its infancy, like even when it was still gestating and percolating in Natasha Khan's mind. No, basically <clears throat> from, from the from the week it came out, I've been. A was this activist. the first Battle Ashes LP that you enjoyed, or were you already no. a confirmed apologist? Uh, confirmed apologist. So I got into. Bat for Lashes, the way I get into most uh, artists, which is through Scott Walker. Yeah, that, that yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, Rao, well, when it was 2009, I think, uh, when Bat for Lashes released the album uh, Two Sons. Um, money chat, could have been 2011. Um, Two Sons, there's a duet on there with Mr. Walker himself. Did Scott tip of the wink as well and say, good. Well, yeah, it's during that period where he, he, you know, as much as Scott Walker can be, he was being relatively uh, outgoing and doing stuff and appearing on things. And, you know, it's, because there's finding Scott Walker was in such rare supply. It's like, oh, he's appeared in a duet with someone. I, I love that period of his was fantastic because it was around that time, wasn't it? Then he appeared on the Jules Holland programme. But uh, in an empty studio with the lights turned down, wearing sunglasses, whispering rosary, I think it was, uh, I think, into a microphone. Well, no, which, I think, God, that made me laugh. That was, I think that was for Till in 95. But it was around this period where they had an entire evening dedicated to Scott Walker at the Barbican. And it, he basically sat in the sound booth, um, moving faders up and down. So and no one saw him the entire evening. It was just all these other a cavalcade of stars up on. Stage. And he was just watching the ebb and flow. Yeah, and he was just up in the booth in the darkness, just watching. I the like the idea that he decided he had to turn up because it would have been churlish not to. But I'm I'm not going to let anybody see me. Yeah, <laughs> just some silhouette with a baseball cap up in the booth. Fantastic. Yeah. But that that was my entryway into Bat for Lashes. So I gave two sons her second album and listened first. I, I, I kind of liked it. and um, But then I went back and listened to her first album, Fur and Gold, which has a couple of songs on it that I absolutely fell in love with. So one's called What's a Girl to Do? And the other is this real... The age-old question, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and the other one's called uh, I Saw a Light, which is this very cinematic, very gothy... Yeah, it's a uh, Nick Cave song. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> So, yeah, it's about getting a purse of monies at the end of your piano to write a song about what Batman means to you. And as we remember, everyone, Batman means nothing to Nick Cave. Absolutely nothing to him. <laughs> if you were wondering, Nick Cave could not give less of a shit about superheroes of any description. Also, that song's actually called There Is A Light. Yeah. Bat, Bat so long as there's a light. Uh, hey, as long as there's a light, there's a Batman, if we all learned. Yeah, I saw a light. It's this song about um, this rainy, doomy, filled uh, uh, atmosphere, of, and then she's going by a yeah, house. Sure, and there's, forever, yeah. uh, there's a couple committed suicide inside the house, and it's very dramatic and crashing thunder. And I, yeah, I was digging that hard. Um, yeah, and I spent many years not really listening to much that she put out. In that time, she put out two albums called The Haunted Man and The Bride which I've subsequently gone back and listened to in the last week, and they're both outstanding. Um, yeah, well, I bet they would be. Both albums have a song apiece, which I've just, <clears> I can't <throat> stop listening to now. Um, the Haunted Man has a song called Law on it, which if you go on Spotify and such, you'll see it's one of her big hitters. And it's oh, very, yeah. very well deserved to be. It's, it's just a very stripped back piano okay. ballad. Uh, well, yeah. Riddle me this. 
Mm. So my my sort of overview, my take home from the record was that what this it there's a lot of eighties about it. Oh yeah, like big sticks. But again, that's not criticism. But I mean, I could. I there were lots. Of, I'm, I'm I'm trying to be careful with my words here because I don't want to do the album a disservice. But I could hear lots of other people. Oh yeah, absolutely. In the record, but I don't mean that she sounds like Oasis or anything. I don't. It doesn't sound like plagiarism. Yeah. It sounds like she has tons of influences, and she's listened to a lot of records, and you can hear that. And I think that's terrific. But is that true of her other output as well, or is this a lost girls phenomenon? I think this is very much the sound of the album. She she's used synths on other works, but not to this extent. This is right. very much neon 80s throwback style very much intentionally some some of this could literally be stolen wholesale from an annie lennox lp even the tone of her voice sounds like annie lennox particularly in like the opening track yeah i get and again i think annie lennox is ace yeah i get a bit of annie lennox mix of anna calvi uh I, i also got a bit of the blue nile at one point Absolutely, yes, that's in my notes. <laughs> yeah, um, and Blamange. Huh, hang up Blamange. You will, as soon as I point it out, you'll be going, oh shit, yeah. <laughs> I wonder, that's Blamange. And there's a guitar sound in one of the songs that I could not, for love no money, um, nail down. I think it might have been a Bowie one, but it was it was really it was aggravating me. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Well, just before we move on to some hot context of the album, just want to say as well, if you want to listen to The Bride, which is very much a concept album uh, that some consider almost a prequel to Lost Girls, then you've got okay. to listen to the song Clouds, which is the last track on the album. It's almost, it's very much Jeff Buckley Hallelujah style. It's just absolutely heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, we're talking like funeral song. It's that level. I mean, that was... That was my other sort of observation, really, is that there is one of them that reminded me of Cindy Lauper. Specifically, the only Cindy Lauper song that anybody knows. Time after time? <laughs> Not that one. <laughs> um, but if it was turned on its head. So if yeah. you took like a lot of the, um, you know, the more the joyous end of the of 80s pop, but without any of the life affirming um sort of content and i'm wondering if that's because it's a product of its time because the 80s particularly if you were working in pop music or whatever pretty pretty joyous time to be alive don't get me wrong bloody awful time to be alive for some other people but for pop stars i imagine it was absolutely brilliant Mm. but 20 2019 less positive a lot of crap happening around the world and i i thought so it was like this yeah, Cindy Lauper, and she was singing a Nick Cave song. Huh. Really sort of downbeat. And that's why, cards on the table, one of the first things I said to Mike when we started the call was, I'll be very pleased to say goodbye to it. It's because I'm just not in the headspace for this level of introspection. And oh, yeah. See, I, I, sadness. Seem, I seem to be quite, even though I'm actually a very happy place at the moment, I, I'm very much enjoying listening to the other two albums, which I've not listened to previously. So, because I've since 
Lost Girls came out, I've listened to this album a lot, and I've already gone through periods of picking it up and putting it. I've gone for like three or four cycles of this album already, where I've just listened to it intently for like two weeks and come back to it several months later. Yeah. Um, but okay, some context for the album. Lay it on me. So, the album was inspired by Los Angeles, where it was recorded, and growing up in the 1980s. On the press release of the album, it has said, The Bride's mischievous younger sister, widescreen in scope and bursting with technicolor intensity. And The Bride is the keeping scores, the last album, which is a bit of a loose narrative. It's an album for driving in the dark, holding hands at sunset, jumping off bridges with vampires, as you do, riding your bike across the moon. The album is also a dreamlike world, rife with female energy and popularised by roaming gangs of female bikers and finds Natasha Khan toying with the elusive Nikki Pink character she teased in a series of Instagram videos a week before the release of the videos of Kids in the Dark. <coughs> yeah, and Lost Girls is the fifth studio album by English singer-songwriter Natasha Khan, who performs as a bat for lashes. I did not pick up on any narrative at all. Did you not like run, she's... running through the album? No, but that's you know, it's not to say it's not there, just that I didn't hear it. No, I, I think sometimes it works better to have a loose narrative than it actually be a story album because then that makes oh, God, it yeah. a but less they, fun then you're, yeah, because then you're absolutely bolted to it, yeah. But I would like Tommy SF Sorrow by Pretty Things. Oh, yes, yeah. there's some when... really good songs on it, but oh, no, do what, do what the Beatles did. Start with the idea of a concept album, give up, bookend it, and just say, yeah, broadly, a, a yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah, like um, Ziggy Stardust as well. It's not a concept album, That's but it's, it. It, it works. It's a loose tonal yeah. narrative there. Uh, yeah, more of a theme than a narrative. Yeah. Yeah. The Bride, compared to Lost Girls, is much more of a narrative. It's actually like specific songs called like I Do, Joe's Dream about dying and things like that. And then still still good, but it Lost Girls, again, it like you say, it feels less of a narrative than that. There's there's songs in here, if you look at the lyrics, like, oh yeah, there's a bit of story there. But then there's other songs in there just completely just out, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, just standalone songs. Um so yes, the album was released in September 2019 via AWAL, I think, just A-W-A-L. Uh, yes, Khan cited 1980s music and cinema as an inspiration for the record, citing Bananarama, Cindy Lauper and the Blue Nile, as well as composer John Williams. As I'm absolutely delighted by that. Absolutely delighted. Yeah. Two out of four. <laughs> and when one of them is Cindy Lauper, you think... Excellent, excellent. Because that's not a cool name to drop in the way that the Blue Nile is. In some circles, I'd say it's reversed. I, do you know what, Adam? I think that some people don't find the Blue Nile as awesome as we do. Yeah, I know. But I'm saying that there's a time and a place for things. And the Blue Nile are going to be more kindly regarded in the sort of chin-scratching Guardian music Hello. critic fraternity. Hello. And Cindy Lauper will go down better than them in, say, Reflex. <laughs> or at a wedding. When 
what is it? The lights go out tonight. Oh, I've, I've forgotten. Downtown train, for example, at a wedding reception. Oh. Awful decision. Girls just want to have fun. Bang. Everyone a winner. So yeah, at my wedding, we're going to play on a video screen than performing another brick in the wall at the Berlin Wall with her dancing around a, a, a bemused-looking keyboard player. Thomas Dolby. Uh. Thomas Dolby's there too. But I mean, Thomas Dolby will also be at your wedding. Isn't he doing the catering? I'm hoping so, yeah. We're just discussing terms at the moment. His promotion for the album started in June 2019 with Khan posting short videos on her social media accounts. One featured music and a number for a hotline on a poster that when dialed the, uh, asked callers to leave a message about a lost girl named Nikki Pink. So, a bit of synergy with the social media marketing there. The album received generally favourable reviews. Metacritic assigns it to 76 based on 22 reviews. Good Morning America, of all places, voted it the best album of 2019. Huh. Yeah. Huh. huh. <laughs> That's what I say to that. Yeah. I mean, good. I mean, it got solid placings everywhere, but everywhere. Other good places. Morning America, though. Yeah, Good Morning America. Picked Both. a a British Pakistani electro pop artist. Yeah, they dug huh. it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, no, I mean, this is the noise—a pleasant surprise. <laughs> good, good. Yeah. Isn't there not some sort of country dreck that they might have preferred? Lost Girls was primarily produced by Bat for Lashes and Charles Scott for Four, or Charles Scott Four, which I'm not sure. Let's is... go with the fourth. Or was it some dude called Charles who just fucking loves Scott Four? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So get this. Natasha Khan is the daughter of Rima Khan, a member of the famous Khan squash playing dynasty. Yeah, I read that earlier and thought, famous squash playing dynasty. Or dynasty. Mm. But... I've, I've genuinely never known which one it is, Din no, or Dine. I think, uh, I think and I think I in. use both interchangeably. I do. But, I mean, I do not know a single squash player, let alone a full dynasty of them. Oh, bloody. <laughs> full bloody. Full of bloody dynasty. A whole family of them. What I really enjoyed was the note, uh, which I imagine you've got just underneath, which says, um, and that was where I really got my first... My first taste of showbiz with the roar of the crowd. <laughs> the roar of the crowd. Do I just imagine Oliver Reed standing with the crowd? Holding his squash racket. <laughs> Shadows and Rubber ball above that line for some reason. And they go <laughs> wild. Make your father proud. <laughs> King of squash court, Remed Khan. I mean, if that isn't how he speaks... It should be. <laughs> Daughter. <laughs> I give to you this squash racket. I, I was actually hoping to go more into music. You are a Khan, Natasha. And that comes with certain responsibilities. And your first responsibility is to this small rubber ball that we have to hit above the line for some reason. <laughs> I was going to say, for some reason. <laughs> you are a Khan. <laughs> I am Natasha Khan, daughter to a murdered prince of the Squash Court, and I shall write it into a song. Lord of the small rubber ball. This must be heard upon the line for some reason. For some, some reason. 
Yeah, so Backlash's first album, Fur and Gold, received five-star reviews and a Mercury nomination. Amongst the squash playing community. How did it do in the wider world? <laughs> Middling at best. Did it go squash platinum or full platinum? <laughs> <laughs> the roar! <laughs> oh, a smattering of applause. Oh my god, I'm off my tits. I oh. simply must get a taste of this. Oh, the ebb and flow of, <laughs> of, of, of squashed crowd. No, Natasha, now you get it. <laughs> now, don't be bored. Don't be chasing this dragon like I have and so many of your family before you. <laughs> so many of your forefathers. <laughs> so her first album goes squash platinum and then squash platinum. Su subsequently proper platinum. Which is about... A tenth of your human platinums. Yeah. Yeah. And she's toured and open for the likes of Blur, Coldplay, Depeche Mode. I would say three out of, you know, out of those bands, she's better than at least two of them. Uh, better, possibly. Not bigger, though. Not bigger, but better. Not then, anyway. That, that, but that is, that's quite a pedigree of people to open for. It is, yeah. And critics have likened her to Nico, Annie Lennox, Joni Mitchell, Kate Bush, Susie Sue, and Bjork. Uh, I would agree with some of those, but again, I'm only basing it on one album. Uh, I certainly, Susie Sue is not getting a look in on Lost. No, I, I, I don't hear Susie Sue. Whereas I, Annie I, Lennox, in fairness, could probably charge her money. <laughs> Yeah, I'd say for the Nico stuff, you're probably looking more of the bride for that kind of thing. Uh, I didn't get a lot of Joni Mitchell either, to be fair. Mm, yeah, go back to maybe Fairy <coughs> and Haunted Man. Again, yeah, I mean, I'm listening. I to, don't But I'm listening to an 80s pop album, aren't I? You are indeed. A sad album, but a sad oh. pop. I like sad pop. Get kicking with kids in the dark. It was the first single off the album. It was originally created for the Stephen King TV series Castle Rock. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So it was actually that was the first song made, kind of for the album. I don't think it was even intended as the first song off the album. It was the first time uh, Natasha Khan and Charles Scott Four. Uh, worked together and they decided that they worked, enjoyed working together so much, let's do more of this sort of thing. Yeah, it's much like playing squash, isn't it? If you meet a partner that it just works with. Oh, yeah. yeah you just, the whole, whole career just playing against each other. Just back and forth. <laughs> yes, Dad! Yeah! <laughs> Good, Natasha. Good. <laughs> I am aware that that's becoming particularly with my cold, more and more Klingon. So go on. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so the, the very first thing you hear of the album is that dreamy, synthy line just, it fades it's in. It's more sort of spacious uh, song than some of them. It's not as yeah. densely packed, but that would make sense if it was originally for a soundtrack. Yeah, it, even though it has very much the sounds of the album, like those, those unmistakable Simps and the bleepy boobies, yeah. 
Yeah, those kind of very treated drums. Like you say, yeah, there's more space in this song uh, than a lot of the other things on the album. It's, it's just, but it's just, textually, it's just this instantly neon-soaked dream of a song. Neon meat dream of an octopus. Yeah, I agree. It is a, it's a, I think the, <clears throat> um, I've got to choose when to use some words because they really could apply to most of it, but I'll just give this one away now. Sweeping is the word that mm. I can back to. Yeah. Because it's, um, there's like this, there's an ethereal quality to a lot of it. Yeah, and I think a lot of that's born out of her voice. I think her voice has such a grand, haunting quality to it, which yeah. can, in one in one step, either make something really danceable and you can sing along with it, and other times just absolutely beguile you and you just think, oh my God, I'm not even attempting to sing along with that. She's, and she just weaves in and out of all this. Yeah, it's sort of, going on. a lot of it's quite heartbreaking. But, but the disco beat. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So, come on in. When join the party, doesn't mean we can't have a bit of a cry later. And you can absolutely. She must. I mean, I'm, it's just true, but it's not a criticism. She clearly, really, really likes Annie Lennox, because that is literally what what Lennox does for a, for a living, is that sad, heartbreaking stuff, and sometimes it's a floor filler too. But she's and she's got an enormous, wonderful voice, and if anything, gone has an even better one because she can do a very good Annie Lennox sort of noise, and she's got more as well. Yeah, I mean, considering this song is the song of the album is a, a loose vampire narrative, I would have loved a bonus version where she literally did a love song for a vampire by Annie Lennox, which remains one of my top twenty favorite songs ever. Yeah, I mean this, this, but this could be a eurythmic song. Mm. It's which again, no bad thing. Yeah, I mean the the lyrics in it just clearly. Inv- I mean, you can tell reading the lyrics, and it's from a Stephen King project because it's lines like "Riding through the pines, see you in the red light," and things like that. It just instantly conjures things like "Stand by me" and "It," and. Yeah, lying next to you, we could be on the moon. Tell me you're not leaving because you're always on my mind. So it's, again, it's a relatively straightforward love song. But it's about, it feels like it's teenagers in love. It's very much, uh, we're, we're kids on the run. Word, yeah. And that word is wistful. Yes, this is a very, this is a danceable, wistful song. Danceable, wistful, ethereal, sweet. Calm! Calm! Yeah, I think um, I really like Kids in the Dark, but it's I find it slightly, it's like an intro song for me. It's It doesn't like grab me instantly. Like I really like it. It gets my toe tapping a bit, but it's like, it kind of, it's, it's, it's nice for me. It's um, like. I found it was, it got me into the record. Good, which is exactly what you should do. But yeah, but then I listened to all the other songs and preferred them. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, it's, it's not. It's, it's it's nowhere near a favourite, but it's it is very yes. good. Yes, exactly. It's a good song. I mean, my actual favourite is no surprise whatsoever because I've already messaged you about it. But my God, what a standout! Oh yeah. 
So for me, track two is where things really kick into gear. And it just, this song just swirls into life like it literally is just a bat coming out of the dark in the night. And yeah, it just, it's just a swirling ambient noise and then just drums kick in and then that organ line kicks in, which doesn't let up the entire time. And dear God, I fucking love the song The Hunger. Yes, very good. You're, you're right to like it. Yes. And lyrics are very good as well. Yes, they are. Terribly vampire-y. Well, it is. This is where I feel... So if you think of Kids in the Dark as kind of like the opening with kids in a small Stephen King-like town running through having fun in the summer, this is where they're becoming kind of sexually awakened teenagers. And oh. This is where the sexy vampires and leather jackets come out to play. And the bad boy squash players, of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that... So in the chorus of this, you got um, when she just absolutely just flying when she's like singing, "I want to fly, you know how I like it. I want to feel like I'm in love. I want to bleed and feed us forever, but I want to feed the hunger inside." Yeah, it's um. Oh God, yes, I, I just this song has so much just drama to it, and it's so like I fucking hate using this. It's just such a coolness about this song. It's it's grandiose, but, but it there's it, there is this there's a fucking like Shoreditch quality to this song that I dig. Yeah, I can see. I can also see why it's unsatisfying to describe something as just cool. Mm. Because it sounds wet, doesn't it? If it, it, does. it feels like you should be capable of better than that. But some things are just cool. And fuck it, it's just like, yeah, it, yeah. I just, I love her voice on it. I love that organ on it. But I just think it really sets it apart. It's such, such an atmospheric song. It's one of those songs because it came out. It was a second single off the album, and it has a video for it. And it's one of those times where you watch a video and go. Amazing song deserves a better video because the the video shows uh, calm um, in a desert, as, I believe, as Nikki Pink, and then she's surrounded by the titular lost girls who they begin to kind of have a pagan ceremony and dance around a bit. It's basically like let's go out to the desert in dresses and dance around a bit, and it's like, huh? In my head, this video was a bit more awesome. And I tell you what, you would have done it for less than Aronofsky money as well. Less than Aronofsky. I hey, I've got a showreel. I can show everyone if you'd like to look. I've seen it. I've seen hey, it. Hey, I I could do you guys some storyboards. Make the hats off your head fly. Yep. And you know, it's not all black and white band footage interspersed with found footage. Don't no 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 no, no. don't be fooled by eighty percent of my. Output. That was merely budgetary constraint. Give this man a budget, not even Aronofsky money. Yeah. Then I can film random shit to make it look like interspersed shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you can take all the cuttings and use them in your cheaper videos. Yep. Wait, look after the off. pennies. Yeah. yeah. Old quick hands Dickinson, they call me. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't do you a video at all. Uh, I could point a camera at you, but I'm not editing it, so. 
I think the video will be as long as the cassette. <laughs> I mean, getting uploaded to YouTube? Forget about it. it ain't happening with this guy. No, but I will post you the cassette. <laughs> and then when you finish with it, send it on. Eh. Khan, the song, is a conflict about wanting to be with the one she loves and the lost girls. The particular lost girls. So it's basically like the Lost Boys, really, because, you know... I was going to say, you know, sunny, desert, sexy 80s boys in leather. The Lost Boys, man. I've watched The Lost Boys and came away thinking, is that it? (laughs) Is that the film that everybody loses their mind over? What is so great about it? It's just Kiefer Sutherland sulking. What's so good? I find it wildly overrated, much like Top Gun. And Ferris Bueller. I I fucking hate Ferris Bueller's day off. Because Ferris Bueller is the most odious little prick. How could... Give me Uncle Buck. I can hang off with Uncle Buck for an hour and a half. Fucking love Uncle Buck. Uncle Buck's great. Yeah, but there are some of these 80s touchstones that you go... These are bad. Back to the Future, absolutely. Yeah, on board with that. Yeah. Back to the Future is... Is is a masterpiece. Oh yeah, some of these you just can't touch. But then you you just yeah, some of these some of some of these films, Adam. Well, because a lot of I don't know, is it a lot of the people that are sort of making content now are of an age where you know they were children when they were out, and as such, they're not you're not allowed to criticize them, yeah. even though they're objectively bad. Well, some of them are. Yeah, Ferris Bueller is. And yet, a, a view to a kill, Roger Moore, lambasted and lampooned. Feel for you is the one that opens with um, a blamange backing track. Ah, yeah, I can hear blamange in this now. You say it. I'm so tall. I'm so tall. Yeah, you raise me and never let me fall. Yeah, I really like I feel for you. The only problem. Well, the main problem for me is it's it does that thing which I think we discussed sometimes on the Bowie show, which was there's really good songs which suffer from the sequencing after a particularly awesome song. Yeah, yeah. So because I sweeping gothic majesty of the hunger. Yeah. Followed by blanche. Yeah, exactly. It, you know, because the hunger just builds this absolute climax. You know, in the bridge um, when she's singing. We've been making love again. And, and the, the guitar's just absolutely flying. And then in her, the, her final line, when she says, feed this endless hunger. And she does that thing I love when singers do, which is just take one word and just squeezes it out forever. When she says hunger, it just ends up becoming this howl into the darkness. And the song just fades away. And every time, pissed off, it's finished. And then you get a little boom, boom, boom. Yeah, and like I was in the hunger moment, and now I've got feel for fucking use here. And then suddenly Blamonja arrived. Blamonja here for some reason. (laughs) They love squash. They love it. (laughs) On a side note, I was delighted to hear to read um, the why the bat flash's name. He said, "Oh, there is no reason. I just thought it sounded really cool, so it was sort of." Meth, metal and gothic and and feminine all at once without actually meaning anything. I, I really like that. I always appreciate 
one when someone can just be that honest of it. Oh, it's meaningless. Yeah, uh, yeah, I've done just, it. I've done it. It sounds actor. right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I just admire when someone can just be that open and just say, "Oh, yeah, no, no." Just, yeah, just it's just cool words put together. Absolutely. Um, speaking of cool words put together, "Feel for You" uh, does not do that. The lyrics for it are, I would say, uh, barely written. Yeah, uh, I mean, it is practically the the title is just repeated. I feel for you. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's a, it's a lightweight dance song. Yeah. Uh, and I, I can totally hear some Blue Nile guitar on this one as well. Yeah, this is the one that had a little bit. It's, and it is just the guitar, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So you've got Blamange and the Blue Nile squeezed into one track. And uh, there was an interview when she um, highlighted a few tracks with influence of the album. She mentioned Tinseltown the Rain. And even before I knew that information, I was like, I can hear Tinseltown the Rain guitars on here. It's only bravado. Yes. Yeah. What an absolute masterpiece Tinseltown in the Rain is. God, I look forward to the day one of us cracks out of that album to. Well, break, break for Blue Nile. I, I fear that it will just fall into the trap of just two men gushing for an hour. <laughs> gushing like a squash court. <laughs> like a squash court, yeah. At a Khan v Khan headlining event. <laughs> Too tight. <laughs> um, yet uh, Khan herself describes... Feel for you is nothing more than a I'm in love and it feels great and we're just driving around LA and it's a beautiful song. Again, I appreciate her candor on this. Yeah, I do. Yeah, she's not <laughs> making she's not writing any checks that she can't cash. No, uh, no. This uh, I feel for you is an absolute piece of frippery. Um, here's why. Oh, <laughs> well that's well that's fine. Right, I'll, I'll be on my way. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Ms. Khan. Um, yeah. Good game. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's so you've got kind of the sprawling majesty of the hunger, then followed up by this admittedly piece of uh, fluffy bobbins, and yeah, followed up by REM's shiny happy people. Yeah, it's 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 a pick me up song, and again, I'm not sure I it doesn't necessarily work for me sequence where it is on the album, but as a song, it absolutely serves its purpose. It's well, in terms of sequencing, I think it then we flow into Desert Man. Measuring the distance between you and I. The vastness of a pastel blues. Yeah, I thought it was. It, it's. I mean, I know that it, it's, it's literally got a titular desert, but I thought mm. there was. She does manage to evoke a sense of desert. Of, of, of openness and vastness. Yeah, and of, of scale. And. Mm. Oh, I thought it was marvellous. It was one of the first songs that I heard on the record that uh, I, I actually made me tap my other half going, I, th I think you're, because I, I, I swear to God, she will absolutely love this. Yeah. If she gives it enough time to bed in, Bat for Lashes will become one of her regular... Yeah, I have been trying to get my other half into this album since it came out. 
I've tried putting on surreptitiously in the background yeah, yeah. in the hope that it just becomes a, oh, what's this? Oh, I'm glad you like it. Uh, that That's happened the last few days while I've been listening to the other albums. But I know all it takes if one of her bloody friends mentions they like oh, it. And yeah. then it'll be, a, oh, oh, have you ever listened to... Have you ever heard about Flashes? Yeah. Pretty no, consistently. No, no, never. I've never heard of the fucking name of Lashes. Only mentioned it 20 cocking times to you last week. Yeah, anyway, yeah, let's put it on. I gave up waiting, uh, and so in the end, started doing that quite irritating thing, which was going, do you, what, what do you think of this? <laughs> oh, it's good, yeah. It is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> would, would you like to know anything about it? Because I can tell you things about it, because I've done some reading about it, and I've been listening to it, and I quite like it. I think you'll really like it. No, no, it's fine, though. It isn't fine. It's better. It is better than fine. <laughs> and you will like this. It's v- you really like Florence and the Machine, but you also like the the sort of the karma end of the Florence and the Machine spectrum. I mean, she she likes all of it, but um, she also digs that. You, she will dig this. Yeah. Just sometimes some I think I'm the same as well. I, I'm always more inclined to. If I feel like I've picked something up on my own as opposed to I've been sent oh, yeah. to something. It's always, yeah. And I, I know in previous times we've both done that with each other's recommendations. Where it takes us about six months after the fact, we both recommended it to each other. Go, oh, no, I mentioned it. This is terribly good, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I knew, it. You knew you'd like it, you dickhead. Yeah, you really forced the issue with uh, the Blue Nile, didn't you? <laughs> Adam, I am fucking telling you, if you listen to it, you will like it. Yeah, I just I came to visit you, and uh, you didn't play a single other song. Actually, it was just a war of attrition. <laughs> yeah, I think I just put on um... Tinsel Town in the Rain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, uh, God, what is the first? Tinsel, yeah, it's the album. Yeah, it, was, it was that. Yeah. yeah, because when I was then whistling it on the tube, you <laughs> just did a big shit-eating grin. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> Got you, you fucker. <laughs> and now you're mine. <laughs> yeah, I seem to remember you. Uh, I think the line that grabbed you was, Hey, there's a red car in the fountain. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Then we had you. But, yeah, but, we? What, you and the Blue Nile? Yeah. At working as a team. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, did he like it now? Oh. <laughs> I can't do it again. It should be Lorraine Kelly. <laughs> uh, the weird thing about Desert Man, because I agree with all the things you say about how good it is, is up until this last time round of listening to it, this is probably one of my lesser songs, the album. This time round, it's shot right up because I can't stop singing this bloody song in my head now. Love is a nowhere land as well, is it? Yeah. Just, I think it works. It's a lovely sort of um, double play with Jasmine as well. Mm. I mean, speaking of sequencing, I think... Desert Man would, I think, would follow The Hunger slightly better than... Yeah, I agree completely, yeah. Uh, It's it's got that much more cinematic sound again. But I think Desert Man and Jasmine have to be bedfellows. Mm. I mean, just just before we move on to Jasmine, just... um, It is at this point... Well, I think Desert Man has much more that... um, You know, like in the early 2010s, but you had very much that 80s revival... Yeah, like yeah, yeah. In the electro pop, like you had MGMT Killers and so on. Where I'm feeling like Empire of the Sun, Naked and the Famous. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For me, this sounds like that could slot in that time period of 80s revival about like, 10 years ago. See, this is one of the only ones that I think has got 
slightly less 80s in it. I mean, still firmly within that decade. Don't misunderstand me, but not as um, not as grotesquely. Yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like the drums have got that very kind of synth, like did you did you do sound for it? Oh uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, when that that line I mentioned as well about measuring the vastness of pastel blue. When I've looked up several of her lines um, or several songs, blue and pastel blue seems to come up in not just this album, but actually a lot of her lyrics quite a lot. Oh, really? So it's so one of those odd little running themes you sometimes see in the artist's work. So she, oh. she, she digs blue. A she little motif. Blue. Yeah. And she tends to mention pastel quite a bit. It's um, not just the, the vastness of the pastel blue. It's the fact that they try and measure it. Yeah. I, think it's just, I, I think it's really lovely. Like desperately with a sextant. <laughs> um, but, On the horizon. You know, trying to comprehend something infinite. Mm. It's, I, I, I thought it was, it really grabbed me, this song. I thought it was, I, the word is beautiful. Yeah, no, th- this song, this time around listening, has been the jump out for me, because, yeah, it's pretty my fourth go around with it, and this one's become the MVP this time around. What does that mean, by the way? Most valuable player. Most valuable. Or, in a business sense, most viable product. Right. So, at work, when we often say MVP, business. it has the, ex- the exact opposite meaning that is in my head. Well, pretty penny. In that quick turnaround, you say? No, no. Oh, the business one. The business. I find business very difficult to take seriously since Sam the Eagle in Muppets <laughs> Christmas Girl. You will yes, learn you to be a good man of business. Business. Yes, you'll love business. Is that how business is conducted? Obviously, I work in the private sector. I imagine it's mainly eagles. Jasmine. I really, really like the fact that it appears to have stolen the intro to a Sega Mega Drive game mm. called something like Streets of the Rialto. <laughs> it does have a real, like, yeah, Sega Mega Drive vibe to it. That opening. Yeah, which is great. Mm. And then her sort of haunting Jasmine voice is great. Well, the, like, the spoken word intro part reminds me of... Um... Christina, who we spoke about on the Christmas record. Oh, of course. I mean, yeah, it just reminded was... me of ABC, but that's because it's probably the most recent thing I've heard. <laughs> but no, you are right. It's got a Christina thing. That kind of that sort of sarcastic, sudden... Blackly funny thing. Yeah, yeah that sort of... Uh, yeah, and, uh, that, the way she delivers that opening. What is it? She, she drives hard through the June gloom haze, legs for days and bones of pearl. So, Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah, and this one as well, I had uh, Blue Nile Simps thinking, um, you know, on Rags to Riches, uh, that absolutely cacophonous, that da, 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 that doesn't sound like it at all. But you know, Rags yeah. to Riches is really sparse and basically yeah. just has that drum and then that <clears> really weird um, synth line that just overtakes a song. It, this Jasmine has a similar quality to Rags to Riches. And then I've just also written down it also has some of the danceable qualities of Tangerine Dream and Madonna. Huh. So I'm throwing Blue Nile, Tangerine Dream and Madonna in this one song. Wow. And Christina. You're really firing the 80s blunderbuss and Jasmine, aren't you? It's How about you? <laughs> I've listened to some things and I want to tell you about them. And I've got a crowbar of all in. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jasmine is a is a triumph. Mm. I thought. 
And whereas you have the desert man, could Jasmine be the leader of the titular Lost Girls? Well, I'd say so, yeah. Because this seems to be almost like a love song to Jasmine in the kind of like, oh, there's this woman who's just come into my life. I think she's so, you're so cool. And I want to be your friend. Kind yeah, of it's, more, it's much more sort of celebratory um, than the preceding song, which I think is more contemplative. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah, she's she's singing about somebody else, about a character, isn't she, rather than... Yeah. There's no first-person business here. There's... No. And she. <clears throat> yeah, and I think that's something I've noticed for, very much for Lost Girls as opposed to her other albums. All her other albums seem to have a, few, a handful of songs here and there that are incredibly personal to her and are very much based off real life. Don't really get it on Lost Girls. It does feel very much a, these are stories, everyone. I think Feel For You is probably the closest to a, a, real, a real song in it, because it's just like, yay, we're going for a drive, everyone, but I feel for you one. Yeah. It's the only, it's the only like, true emotion that I feel comfortable sharing with you is, yeah, this is fucking <laughs> great. I, I haven't felt this great since I won Squash. <laughs> Oh, the roar of the crowd. Oh, Natasha. Oh, I give, I give to you my winning squash ball. Don't forget it has to go over that line for some reason. Just over the little, the little line for some reason. You ever played squash? It's really hard. I'm dull. It's <laughs> hard, so I stopped doing it. Yeah, when I say stopped doing it, I did, one, I did one game, and I don't like this at all. I went and played it once with my dad when he was going through a bit of a squash phase, and came away going, this is bullshit. I also feel weirdly claustrophobic, because you're kind of closed in a room that's just this weird cube of all these black marks on the wall. Yeah, and where so, better squash people have been before me. Where are these spectators? Yeah, where are the spectators I was promised on the flyer? <laughs> Cast, I was, Cast. I was I, expecting the roar of the crowd, oh, and the, thr the thrill of the grease paint. I was told to win the crowd and I'd win my freedom. And yet here I am, bored and tired. <laughs> and frightened of this ball that's coming my to me. Two great least favourite feelings. So, Shall we move swiftly on? Vampires. So, cards on the table, best song on the album. See, this is a song on my first listen that stood out to me. I was just like, oh, hello, what's this? this? Now, I, the comparison that I sent you stands. And I think that's why I think it's the best song on the album. Is because what I said to Mike was, Vampires, if you've not heard it, sounds like The Cure are playing the backing track, except for the fact they've got Donnie, the guy who did the saxophone for Bowie's Black Star, parping all over the top of it. Uh, and if you like the sound of those two things put together, then you'll really enjoy Vampires. And I like both of those things, and I really like Vampires. Yeah, I mean, for me, I've got... Because that, tell me, correct me if I'm wrong though, that guitar sound is is identical, like the tone of it. Oh yeah, no, it, it, it is, they've almost like, you can imagine, they've purposely gone in and say, I want a Robert Smith guitar tone. And I want yeah. Donnie, whatever his name is. Kaslin. 
Because I was going to say Brasco, and I knew that was wrong. Because <laughs> I don't think he played. I don't think I'm he played. Sure sex I, didn't go. I don't know why you called me. Hey, forget about it. I play the sex. He's a fugazi. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I thought it was, it was. It's exactly like Black Star. The the sax noise, and that's a good thing. Yeah, the first time I listened to it, I just got the Cure mix with Sisters of Mercy. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I can hear a lot of Floodland. Can you hear the Black Star thing? Oh, yeah, I can hear it. And for me as well, the fact that it's called Vampires and it's just, it's, it's, you know, it's an instrumental sax piece. It, to me, it always makes you think of the sexy sax player in Lost Boys. <laughs> Which, and I, I, I don't think that's, I don't think that's an accident. Yeah, the saxophone's actually played by Alex White of the Fat White Family, who, if you listen to Fat White Family, don't usually sound like this. They're a bit more of a rock and rock about punk vibe. Rock and sock em. Yeah. So, yes, it's, just, it's, a very, it's a startling song, Vampires, I think, because it's just, and the tone is just absolutely perfectly 80s, right down to the fact yeah. it's the fact, the fact it's a saxophone which was so pre beautifully prevalent in the 80s. Yeah. And just, it's just not a thing anymore. No, it isn't. Much like travel agents. Um, I, I keep expecting like her voice to cut in, and it never comes. No. It's, it's, it's quite a ballsy place to put an instrumental, I think, really. But it's, it's very good. I think at this point, it's the only instrumental song she's put on an album. And it's a belter. So. It's a good first pick, yeah. Yeah, it's just the, comp yeah, the, the way the sax is kind of your vocal on it, but then the whole way through you've got this kind of almost John Carpenter-like keyboard in the background mm. and the propulsive drums are just like... I think that's the drums for me are very Sisters of Mercy. And I, I'm thinking they sound very similar to their cover of uh, Hot Chocolate's Emma, which, if you've not heard, is a belter of a song. I don't think I have. Hearing him howl, Emily! Oh, it's something else. I mean, I'm very well disposed to hot chocolate anyway. Mm. But again, it, just, it was one of those things now that almost entirely reminds me of Alan Partridge, so it's quite difficult to listen to. You don't remember me, do you? <laughs> I mean, we're back square in the 80s again, aren't I mean, we? See, it just a smile came across your face then as you played yeah, that. I think it's, I'm, I'm, I just need to remind myself of the intros, I'm afraid. But I've, why, listen, I've listened to it ad nauseum. So Don't you treat me like you should. So good is the, um, it's the Cindy Lauper one, by the way. Yes, I was just thinking that, yeah. This one, yeah, this one sounds like it should be a, a, a single. And yeah, again, it's, that, noise, <laughs> that no, 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 noise it makes in it, the sims. Uh, I've got here Simple Minds. Oh. I'm pleased that we're able to come up with comparisons that aren't just other female artists this time. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, no, I've uh, got sim Simple Mind Sims. Uh, yeah, and uh, for me, this one has the full-blown feeling of a summer night out when, you know, when you actually enjoy that sort of thing. A, uh, a warm summer's evening, actually having a, a drink 
and it's night, it's like 10 o'clock in the evening, it's finally getting dark, and it's got that, just the excitement about the night. This song has that vibe. Oh, and you're still just wearing a shirt, you haven't had to yeah, find a jacket yeah. or go inside. Yeah, I mean, but you don't have to go home yet. You're not in a rush. You're not in a mess. Oh, God, no, ambrosia. Yeah, for me, that, this song has that atmosphere to it. It's... I always feel that those people that don't drink will never, they don't get that feeling. You know, when they're, they're just slipping down so easy, but it's, oh, what a magnificent time to be alive. <laughs> because the inevitable hangover is just a distant, you can't even conceive of how shit you'll feel, can you? You can't oh. imagine it when you're in. We're not there yet. When you're right there, you just go, oh, God, tomorrow will never come. Because right now it's so good. Yeah. Uh, so, so good. Um, lyr <coughs> lyrically. Lyrically, the uh, why does it hurt so good? You don't treat me like you should. I've got here. It's kind of like a masochistic love affair, a bit like Scott Walker's Matilda. Well, that's what I meant as well. It sounds like like Cindy Lauper, but she's singing something ah, quite, quite right. downbeat. You know what I mean? Yeah, because this is one of those weird songs where the the, the music and lyrics yeah, don't yeah. really mesh up. Because the, the song is actually very peppy and yeah, Cindy Lauper. Yeah, but then yeah, like the lyrics are just like. Oh, this is kind of a song about almost an abusive, or emotionally yeah, abusive relationship. That's what I took from it. Yeah, and yeah, I think this is a low-key great song because it it comes across as just a relatively run-of-the-mill dance tune, but actually you get under it all. There's a lot going on in this, but it's very low-key. It's all very well done. I think it's a, it's a great little song. So good. It's quite, the lyrics are quite, um, well, they're, they're, they're changeable, aren't they? Mm. Yeah. This man is strong, you know, it's such a thrill. He plays a hunter and I play his kill. Sort yeah. of suggests that it may, maybe there's quite a lot of consent happening. I mean, potent, well, potentially, is it not? She is being um, transformed by the desert man or Jasmine, and she is kind of willingly giving herself over to being transformed. She's After all, he does play the captain. Indeed. <laughs> so is she being the sort of the Mina Harker of the piece? Well, she will merely play the toy. But it's the, it's the word play as well. I like that. Mm. It gives a, a level of distance to it. Mm. It's good, yeah. Mm, so good. Very good, yeah. yeah. And then you get Safe Tonight, which is probably my other absolute favourite on the album. Yeah, it's it's more maximum Lennox, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it get, it, it quite... really made me want to listen to some Annie Lennox. This. Good. Good. This is never a never a bad thing. Natasha, if you make an album, someone says, "I really want to listen to Annie Lennox." That's not a bad thing, then, Natasha. That reflects well on you. It reflects well on Annie Lennox. It reflects well on us, the Cars. <laughs> now, excuse me. Thank you, thank you. The roar of the crowd, Natasha. But 
it, in that weird way, so good and safe tonight sit quite well together because again, safe tonight conjures for me a summer evening vibe and partying. So you could almost space these two out a bit more on the album for me because they they almost sit too well together in a bizarre way. Because to me, they, they have the same that feeling for me. And yeah, the way the song begins, that it's got more um, totally more big introspective sort of vibe to it than some of the others yeah i mean the, the opening line i thought that i was broken i thought i'd lost my mind yeah we're, we're yeah it's strong it? yeah it's just strong it's yeah it it works well as i think a standalone love song and also a piece of the lost girls narrative so i think mm. um what natasha khan said of the song is it's it's supposed to be a song about nikki pink being infected uh, with whatever is that vampiric virus, or whatever, and about the darkness that that brings, and learning to in, uh, integrate it into her own body. So it's basically a song about her writhing in bed, transforming to a vampire. Right. Yeah, but you could read it as a love song. Which is very much how I was reading it. Yeah. But Which... the fact it works on those two levels, or yeah. it works on one and the other is crowbarred into it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, her version is a little bit. Rutger Hauer plays a cyberpunk. <laughs> I mean, whereas it does, it does sort of look like a quite just a whereas good love song. It kind of sounds like Harrison Ford and Sean Young kind of riding off into the distance. Yeah. Until you say you're safe tonight. Yeah, I just love that little drum that. Yeah, I mean. Okay, lying in the dark, but now you take my hand, we're once apart, you say you understand. It's, 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 it's lovely. It's, it's a lovely song. There's only one line in it that could, I think, bear out the vampire hypothesis. There's a demon in my heart that I'm not sure will survive. But I think if it was a love song, you'd just chalk that up to a metaphor, rather than that being the one literal line in the song and everything oh, yeah, else is a metaphor. Everything else is usually a love song. <laughs> chalk that up to a metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm going to have to absolutely disagree with Khan here. <laughs> wrong, 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 Khan. You don't know your own bloody songs. Because yeah, the, the song does have this vibe about it where it, it could be read as quite insidious in a way with this whole virus business, but also, just it, to me, it has this hopelessly hopeful feel to it of someone being safe in each other's arms or very yeah. much it very much sounds a bit like a riding off into the sunset sort of song. Yeah. Introspective, but sort of optimistic. Like, yeah. uh, oh, isn't it nice that you're here because now I'm safe tonight? Yeah, now I feel comfortable. We, we yeah. have each other. Yeah. I just, yeah, it's one of those FYI, songs. I'm a vampire, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just get past the Scuttlebutt rumour. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, ooh, address the elephant in the room. <laughs> Uh, the old incisors are growing. Uh, you can draw your own conclusions, I'm afraid. But still, we're safe tonight. <laughs> Again, there's so much atmosphere. There's so much. If we start listening to what's going on, there's so many kind of touches, ambient noises, bells and whistles going on. Apart from just the lovely treated drums and the, the synth, there's all these little touches in the background. And again, um, she just has this effect where her voice just literally just goes. <laughs> I, I love that. Just love those little touches and flourishes. Speaking of touches and flourishes, mm. Peach Sky's up next. 
Is yeah. that one where she sings backwards? Or, sorry, her yes. voice is played backwards? Yeah. That's, that's right. weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit pagan isn't it? Like them lost girls. How is that what that is? Probably. Yeah. I don't know. Just, you know, interpret it, couldn't you? Well, I mean... Vampires, isn't it? They talk... Probably backwards, vampires, yeah. Probably vampires. Yeah, Pete Skies, I've written down the uh, the keys on this one sound a little bit Flash Gordon-y. Not the song, but the soundtrack. They're kind of meow, meow. Actually, maybe the Ming keyboards. I'm familiar with the soundtrack to Flash Gordon. Believe and, me. And the Ming keys. It's a really great soundtrack, actually. It's really oh, yeah. good. It's just it's a real perk you up album. Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, the um, is it? Uh, basically, the, the football one is yeah. absolutely mental. <laughs> I was like, if ever I, if ever I won anything, that's what I want played. Yeah! <laughs> and that, that goes all the way from, uh, you know, local parish council affair to Oscars. I would like that played. But you're still being very picky about that Oscar winning. Regardless of pick. scale. I mean, I don't know what I'm winning an Oscar for. <laughs> he hasn't made a film, but we thought we'd give him one anyway. <laughs> He's just waiting for the right moment, the right script to come along. He's, and he was so much cheaper than Darren Aronofsky. He really was. He's cheaper than the other little fella as well. Yeah! <laughs> All he, all he wanted was to play this Queen song. <laughs> yep, the Peach Sky is essentially another song about driving around LA. Because the Peach, the titular Peach Sky is a reference to the the night or the, the dusk skies of LA. I didn't really care for Peach Sky. It's fine. It's one of the few songs in the album. I'm like, yeah, it's there. Fine, cool. I didn't didn't particularly like the last two. No, I, I'm the same. Peach Sky and the next song, Mountains, were two for me. I'm like, yeah, the album could actually kind of finish for me, you have to say, tonight. Yeah, you could ha wrap it up. Come on. And then on have an almost perfect album. Yeah, I found Mountains in particular was so sort of almost soporific. Yeah. But not, not, in a, not in a beautiful way, just in a sort of, oh, come on. Well... Yeah, just Mountains is a love song about being unable to penetrate someone emotionally like a mountain. So even the metaphor of it is pretty... <laughs> it's a bit laboured, isn't it? Yeah, even more so than this vampire narrative. We seem to have been in this quagmire of vampires. I love the idea of going, oh, you're so, you're so withdrawn emotionally. What, what, what's that like? What does that remind me of? Oh, yes. The Himalayas. <laughs> if you would cast your eye out the window towards the... <laughs> if you could just move your head. Yeah, because behind you there's an Alp. <laughs> <laughs> and a magnificent vista. It's got a nice bit laboured, isn't it? It is. I mean, just going back to Peach Sky for a second. It's, yeah, Peach Sky is very much an, an L.A. song. Uh, and it's quite a generic love song. And then Mountains, again, is a bit of a generic love song. It's If we're going to say anything about Mountains, it does feel like a, a closing track. It does feel like we're winding down something here. Yeah. Musically. Come on, everybody. Pack it up. 
Yeah, it feels a bit like a coda musically. I yes, think. it does. But it also sounds, I think, very different to Love Your Rest because this is one of the few times you hear uh, piano on it, which is, I believe, Khan's main instrument of choice. And you hear that much more on her other albums. It's the only time in Lost Girls you really hear it come out. So it's almost like her one time to, I gotta get this piano in there. Into the squash court. Yeah. yeah. It's a lovely, lovely uh, acoustic. Lovely, lovely echo, yeah. I really did like this. I thought this was a really good record, and I would be very interested to hear. What was it? What do you say? The the one, the bride, or whatever it was called. Yeah. Um, right. There's four songs I could uh, suggest. There's uh, "What's a Girl to Do," "I Saw a Light," "Laura," and "Clouds." Those four mm. songs, hugely recommend all of them, but particularly The Haunted Man and The Bride are worth listening. The Bride is a very kind of gothic, um, sparse affair compared to this. This is like fucking pink unicorns and like literally is like a Lego film, whereas uh -huh. The Bride is much more stripped back than Haunted Man. back. Despite the album being called The Haunted Man, The Bride is a much more haunting affair. <laughs> <laughs> the irony. Uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, I have, like I said at the start, I have been digging this album nonstop for a year and a half now. And well, it's a I think, good pick, man. It's a good yeah, pick. I'm really, I'm really pleased you enjoyed it because what, what's been, what's been nice for me, listening, bring it to the party this time around. It's not so much like listening to this album. It's actually made me go back and listen to her other albums. Mm. And I have discovered some real gems for me on there, which I will be listening to for years to come, I think. So I enjoyed it a damn sight more than Beebity Boobity, um, which, which I just found so forgettable. This was, this was better. It was much, much better. Good. No, I'm, I'm really pleased you dug it. And a, a couple I, of them I thought were, were, will stay, I think. Hmm. Desert Man is definitely staying on there. It's beautiful. And Vampires is... Well, it's just a bunch of sounds that I like put together in a song. I would just, I would just say vampires is bitching. It is bitching, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it is bitching. Yes, yeah, good. I mean, I uh, to be honest with you, favourite song would be a tie between Vampires and Desert Man. Mm. But I think it would. I'd have to say that Vampires probably pips it because it's bitching. It's bitching. It is bitching. Uh I, this, this is definitely one of them albums where my favourite jostles for position uh, constantly. I would say the only two... So this is a 10-track album. There's only two songs on here I think are negligible. Um, even yeah, Kids in the, yeah, and even Kids <clears throat> in the Dark, which we said was fine. I think it's a really good song. Well, it um, is. It's a belter. It's your gateway drug. Yeah. But I, <laughs> it's just that as soon as it's finished, you then are hit with a song that's better than it. Which yeah. It, I... I think purely for me, it's between Safe Tonight and The Hunger, and I'd probably just on listens alone, I'd have to go with The Hunger because I've listened to. I was going to say, if you okay. pick anything other than The Hunger, I'll punch you square in the chops because you went so overboard on The Hunger yeah. compared to everything else. 
that you're lying to yourself if you say otherwise. I know, because The Hunger's one of them songs where I, if it will come on my shuffle, it will then be repeated about five times before I let it go on its way again. <laughs> really like, squeeze every last yeah. sinew out of it. Yeah, no, I absolutely love The Hunger. And I, I, I love this album, and I am, it is my pleasure to commit it to the party. Oh, and it's, it's more than welcome here. Yes, yes. Been a, it's been a few parties since we've had just a stone cold, like, yeah, we're keeping it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm optimistic that, uh, I mean, would you like to go through the formality of spinning the wheel? I've, it's customary and, uh, you know, it's, it's held us in good stead, so I don't want to change it up here. Fine, spin it. Spin away! Adam. Oh, oh. it's me. Lovely. You. Lovely. Right. Well, we've had we've had two women that are alive on the bounce. Now, what's more different than two women that are alive than one man who is dead? That is why we will be listening to Kevin Ayres from 1969 with the album Joy of a Toy. It is an absolute belter. It's great. Um, the, the the slight uh, change in tone, listeners, is because I'm holding up the gatefold to Michael, which got a great cover. Look at it. It's canary yellow with a little Victorian boy on the front. Look at him there. Children's book. Yep. Yeah. Confused and bored by his own work. It's you great. Do you know what? I am... Um, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Because... Um, Earlier on, I think speaking off before we're recording, I mm-hmm. said, was it going to be one thing? You said no. Genuinely hand to heart, Kevin Ayers was my second choice. <laughs> so this, even though I had no idea which album, it being Kevin Ayers comes as no surprise to me. And well, I, knew, I knew it was coming. He's been on my list for a while. I don't now, in cards on the table... I like Kevin Ayers a great deal, but I don't know a lot of the rest of his output. Um, I I don't know this album particularly. I know I like it. I like it a lot, but I'm not. I'm not a. I haven't got every track committed to memory, but it's very good. I I know I've listened to Kevin Ayers. Well, I've played you bits and pieces. Yeah, I know I've listened to some, but. I... Could not tell you a song. Off he's got head. one of the great. Uh, would I? Would you know what I meant if I said he's got one of the great wine voices? Mm-hmm. I don't mean with a H. I mean W I N E. Yeah. He doesn't. He sounds like that's what he drinks, <laughs> and that wine is red. Uh... He is lugubrious. <laughs> he's great. He's one of those great um, artists that the sixties threw up that should have been like. That clearly, sort of, in some strange way, they 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 thought they might have been a pop star. Yeah. But what they actually ended up recording was just quite odd. <laughs> it was, it was I, never. It was just not going to happen. I've always quite enjoyed those sort of artists from the sixties, where it's like, if it weren't for the fact your music is fucking off the wall and nuts, you'd be one of the big ones. You'd be a star. Yeah, because he's he's beautiful and his voice is is really quite lovely. So he could have been like a Walker Brothers style star, but his music is just a bit odd. I look forward to it. To be fair, given outside of the party, I've been listening to a lot of hip hop and black metal recently. So this will be quite a nice oh, change of pace for this me. This will be a, a, a radical change of pace. Yeah, a bit, a bit of a, a you know, palate cleanser. 
I was having an argument about what to pick, and I, I just I've had this on the um, on the back burner for a while, thinking I, I really must play that. Because oh, okay. I, I want Mike to listen to it in its entirety. I don't know if you'll dig all of it, but it's, it's a good record. And it, was, it will be a nice change. Yeah, no, I look forward to that. Right, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just made up that this party has been a successful one. Because I was, I was genuinely really... Oh, under Dolls I, I was hoping you'd like this album. And I would have almost been a bit crestfallen had you not. No, I completely do. I liked it yeah. a lot. Which means next time we hang out together, we can play it and have a few <laughs> drinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And hopefully Kevin can come too. Never in mind he's a solo artist. The number of instruments used uh, is is huge. And the very last one that's used is kazoo. So mm, my anticipation has just gone down a few. <laughs> yeah, I've got it right. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us for this very successful party I made up has been as a success as it has uh, if you have anything you'd like to suggest for us to listen to at the party anytime please do get in touch with us we're on Twitter at Party Listen uh, you can find us on Facebook if you just type in Listening Party with Adam and Mike we're on Instagram if you care to find us again we're on Listening Party Pod on Instagram and you can email us at listeningpartypod at gmail.com and yes please join us next time when we will be Getting back in Adam's comfort zone, dead white men from the 60s. Yeah, and 70s. But and this one. 70s. Yeah, 1969. So it really, crest of a wave. Could have, been, could have been either decade. Yeah, please join us next time for Kevin Ayers. Uh, until next time, we'll bid you a safe tonight. Yeah, ta-ra. Ta-ra.